the, the 10 minutes after the, the big reveal, when I was alone in my house with myself, there was a part of me that was like, hey, you did it, man. You're at, you're, you're at the very, very bottom. And now we'll just hang out in the darkness, just you and me. Coaching Life Podcast, where we peel back the bullcrap and brush away any photoshopping to give you an unfiltered look at what it's like to live a coaching life. In the interests of transparency, let me share with you a little bit about why there hasn't been quite so many episodes of this podcast over the last couple of years. I get emails almost every day, um, either from agencies, pitching guests or prospective guests themselves. And most of those don't even appear to have listened to the podcast to understand what it's about. This podcast has never been about having guests that come and showcase their offerings to other coaches. There's plenty of other places that they can do that. It's about the real life of being a coach, living a coaching life. And integrity is super important, is super important to me in that respect, being genuine. One of the things that I guess I dislike most about this profession is the plethora of marketeers selling to other coaches with no coaching experience themselves. I, I, I just see that as one way the standard of coaching in this profession really gets lowered. Indeed, each and every one of you who is out there coaching is not only representing, but creating this profession. You are creating this profession too, which means Every time you cold DM someone, send somebody a cold direct message, you create a profession in which coaches cold DM people. Each time you charge unsustainable fees, you contribute to creating a profession where coaches get paid unsustainable fees. And with so much noise out there, with so much disingenuousness, actually, that's how it appears to me, um, looking at what others are up to hasn't been so enjoyable for me really just looking at the profession i've simply looked away and got on with my own work being the change that i wish to see yet over the last couple of years i've always had one eye open for genuine guests that i can trust to give a truthful honest and open account of their coaching life i spotted today's guest around about a year ago, almost to the day actually, when uh, he shared a post um, which mentioned he'd been in this profession for 29 years. It said, off to another day of work, I'm blessed to be doing purposeful work that is powerful, fun and satisfying. After 29 years and 29,000 client hours, I still get excited about being a trusted advisor for my clients. And I delved a little bit deeper into what he'd been up to. I was already loving the wisdom this guy was sharing, um, things which are also very applicable to this profession, such as, here's, here's one of his gems, sometimes the static is louder than the music, but that doesn't mean you should stop <laughs> listening to the music. I love that. How applicable to, is that, right? And, and, and another favor of mine, consider your well-lived life is the highest form of prayer you can offer. Oh my gosh, beautiful. And then 
in April last year, he made a very personal post sharing how he had reached what he described as a new emotional bottom. I'm going to share later what he said um, when I'm sure he'll add some more details to what was going on. But I remember at the time I was deeply touched. I can feel it now. The energy in me now is deeply touched by how open and genuinely vulnerable not that marketing kind of vulnerable but just genuinely vulnerable he had been in sharing this crash i've been watching out for his return um and yeah i'm 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 just absolutely delighted that he's agreed to come and talk and explore and share today so hans phillips a super warm welcome to the coaching life podcast Thank you so much. <laughs> That's a great <laughs> intro. I'm in tears over my own story, <laughs> like the irony of what I said and, and uh, the sense of humor that the universe has. It's just, it's just oh, hilarious to me. Yeah, I can <laughs> imagine. And, and I'm excited. I'm really so excited to have this conversation with you. I've been watching you a while and then it's almost like the universe was saying to me, here's somebody but it but let this unfold and let this evolve and and let the story play out a little bit more um so yeah beautiful so we'll come to that so really to help help our listeners understand i guess who you are i'm going to ask like the familiar question and just encourage you to answer however however you feel like backstory like i guess what i'm always interested in and genuine interested in here is what actually got you into coaching in the first place, all those years ago, three decades, into coaching consultancy and into being a trusted advisor? Very good. So um, it was my father. My father had a, a big personality. He was a great man. And I watched him mentor um, hundreds of people in his career in uh, corporate America. He was a C-suite executive. And uh, I would meet people who just in that moment realized I was his son and they were just your Dick Phillips son. And uh, so I just got this sense really early on that he had this power and, um, and it wasn't kind of a control or a domination. It was a, people just really appreciated him. And it turns out that he was asking more of them than they thought they could give. And then when they gave it, they ascribed some of that to him. So, he cared about people. Uh, he cared greatly about people and uh, he did his own work. And so there's a lot of examples. Uh, and I realized probably I was 12 or 13. I realized I love people. I don't know what that means, but I love people. And so I was kind of the go-to guy in my community um, in my, in my teens for advice. You know, Hans is smart and he can help you figure some stuff out, but it literally just was advice. Like I didn't have any history. I didn't have any education. And then I was 15. Um, and I woke up one day and realized if I don't do something, I'm going to end up like my parents. I have a stepmother, a mother and a, a birth mother. All of them, lovely people, very dynamic personalities, but clearly they hadn't availed themselves of the information that was out there about communication and relationship and that kind of success in life. So I started a, a kind of a self-study program uh, at 15 and read books and took seminars and assisted with workshops and just involved myself as much as I could um, over the next 10 years and um, thought I was pretty hot stuff until I met my wife. Uh, <laughs> and uh, she had been doing uh, exploration in the metaphysical 
Uh, and because I was a guy, uh, if I can't see or touch it, it's not real. So mm-hmm. metaphysical, not real. So it took her about three years to demonstrate to me through who she was being and her life that there was actually something over there that I didn't know or understand. And I'll never forget the day I, I realized that. I thought, it's as though she's on the other side of the river. And I don't like the looks of the river, but she's like, it's amazing over here. Jump in. So I trusted her and I jumped in. And, and that was the beginning of uh, the exploration of coaching. Wow. Wow. So I guess briefly, because I'm sure you could probably spend hours talking about this. How do, how do you go from taking those first few steps into the river to creating a sustainable business, which is what, you know, I think many people listening to this, that's a, a question that I hear over and over again. And, and of course, it's not something that you can answer in a, in a podcast episode. Of course, there's, there's much more, more to it than that. But yeah, what, what, is, what is briefly the story into creating a sustainable coaching consultancy business? Um, I mentored with an expert. That was my first thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Spent two years uh, being mentored by a guy who'd been doing this for decades. Um, and he was an open architecture teacher. All of his materials were mine for the taking. And I find that uh, that's pretty rare, that people are usually not nearly as generous with their tools and processes and techniques. Like this is my life's work and it's worth money and it's licensed and copyrighted and all that. It's just his, his philosophy was, it's not the information, it's who you're being. And so you, we use the information in order to be with people and they get to use some of it in their own life. So he set the example. And uh, after uh, that first year, I decided to open my business. And all I did, I had a little flip phone. All I did was call all 74 people in my little flip phone and say, I'm a coach. And because of that, because of that uh, reputation I had for giving advice and support like that, I had some coaching skills at that point that I had learned. They were like, yeah, we know you're a coach. And I was like, no, 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 professional. And they're like, oh, professionally. And out of those 74 calls, I got four referrals. And I, I, in just the space of one year, I worked those four referrals into 24 customers my first year, which I didn't realize at the time was extraordinary. But most coaches, they get three or five or seven in the first year, and they're happy to get them. Yeah. And literally, all I was doing was living what I was talking about. I made sure that I applied all the things that I was telling other people to myself. Now, it's a rigorous practice. <laughs> it's much easier to tell people what to do than it is to do it because it goes up and down. It's not always great. But I I realized in that first year, I'm getting paid to have a great life. I'm getting paid to use my life as a laboratory and bring my experiments, the results of my experience back to my clients, coupled with I was super enthusiastic and focused on what was possible for other people. And so that first year was 24 customers. My second year was 33, which is too many, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> and I was working too many hours. I got out of balance. But I was so excited about what was possible. And they just kept, they just kept coming, right? And uh, one day, um, I realized I had something wrong with my eye. I went to see a doctor. And he said, you've got a permanent infection on your optical nerve. I was like, Wow okay, so maybe the 60, 70 hours a week isn't the direction I should be going. And then I got curious and said, okay, if it's not in that direction, maybe it's the opposite direction. And I was able to compact my schedule from five days a week, sometimes six, because I was excited, down to three. And I worked a three-day week for 10 years and focused on balance and well-being 
and uh, next level integrity in all these different areas of my life. And that vitality was real to people. That that passion, that optimism, that joy was real. That it, they could feel it when they were sitting with me. And they either were very attracted to it or completely repelled by it. <laughs> they couldn't get away from me fast enough, right? I just want you to fix this one problem in my life. And I was like, yeah, it's not really what I do. You know, it's 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 the totality of who you are that gives you your experience of life and the results in life or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and Phil, this was the this was. I just want to say this was the first thing in my life that I'd ever discovered that required every fiber of my being. And yeah. that was just gorgeous to me. Like I, I was fully invested and could do that for the rest of my life. Yeah. Beautiful. I relate. Beautiful. And what I sense from you is something that uh, I know I've been there when I, when I started out, um, I, I, I discovered coaching as a profession in 2004, doing some NLP training. And it wasn't mm -hmm. until even years after that, that I realized what well, I was actually doing coaching in my leadership um, work in corporate right. starting around 1991. So exactly. that's probably some of the best <laughs> coaching I've ever done, by the way, because I was just being with people super present, though I, I had no agenda other than to be of service and help them with whatever they had going on in their life. That's and true. probably some of the times I was um, wasn't at my best was in the middle of coaching training of trying to be a specific mm -hmm. kind of coach, which mm -hmm. you know, if you're trying to be somebody, you can't really be present. But what I sense from you, Hans, is um, probably something that people starting out might not want to hear, but it's there's a simplicity here. It's like, for me, it looks like the number one way to create a sustainable coaching practice is also linked to your number one marketing tool, which is your impact as a coach. Um, can you speak to that? Like, how, how has that worked out for you? Did you did you do marketing? Um, yeah. Did you did you market or was your impact as a coach your marketing? Uh, it's interesting because the my son just uh, in the last couple of years has gone into business. He's like, dad, you should do this and you should do that. And you should do this. And, and, and we're now two years on and he's just like, Oh, I see what you did there, dad. Yeah. You shouldn't have done any of those things. <laughs> Why don't you advertise on Facebook, dad? You know, blah, 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 which is all great stuff for all good ideas. But I realized early on that my clients, when I did good work with them, they were walking billboards because if you knew bill, if you knew Bill for 30 years and then suddenly Bill was being in a different way, it's like, Bill, what is that? And you're like, oh, there's this guy, Hans, you should talk to him. So it, it's been referral only for 31 years. And um, that's that's worked very, very well for me. Uh, and it's tempting because I have spent thousands of dollars. When things aren't going well, a little bit of fear comes up and somebody markets right. well to me. I'm like, all right, let's do that. <laughs> and and, and I, had a, I had a guy who even captured my voice uh, and was able to market stuff on LinkedIn. But there was just a level of authenticity that was missing. And if I'm selling authenticity, anything that I try to do that smacks of inauthenticity is probably not going to work. Right. <laughs> so right. uh, it's been it's been referral only the whole time. And I am in the relationship business. That is the business I'm in. And so I'm in relationship with lots of different people throughout my week. And I just be with and for people. Sometimes I'll ask for a referral, but mostly I'm just with and for people and people know what I do. And that's what leads to the conversations that leads to business. 
it took me a while because you know 30 years ago that wasn't the case but um certainly recently the last five to ten years it's become very noisy in the space of social media this new space of social media and yet you remind me i kind of alluded to this really at the in my um elongated intro that it's been difficult to find um coaches that are successful in um in living yeah a sustainable prosperous coaching life because I, I, I think what I'm concluding is the most successful coaches, we don't know of them because they are just doing as you, as you speak. They're not, they don't have to present a huge marketing machine. So, um, yeah, it's just interesting to see that. I want to move forward. Bear Difficult, in mind, uh, go, go ahead. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I was interrupt. Difficult in the beginning of coaching to imagine that people want to see the good, the bad, and the ugly of your life that that's going to somehow be attractive to them. And so not unusual for coaches to be excited, enthusiastic, optimistic, and fall into the trap of that's all that people want to hear about. Um, and at the other end of the spectrum, though, I see some coaches being overly expressive of their thoughts, feelings, circumstances, where it's like, whoa, it's, it's too much. You know, it's, there's a kind of a cringe factor to it, where it's just like, you know, that if, if you don't work that out, if you don't have a good day and insert that in there. If it's all pain all the time, why am I hiring you? I'm already in pain. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's a, I think it's a, a, I literally didn't start being really transparent until about seven years ago. Um, I let people put me on a pedestal because in an hour a week, I look fantastic, man. I'm fabulous. <laughs> My life is awesome. <laughs> Um, but I started to be more transparent accidentally. And then people said, Hey, the more transparent you are, the easier it is to follow what it is that you're talking about. And I was like, great, I can be transparent. And I just had a client yesterday say, one of the things that was valuable is that you're transparent about your life. You share your life, your challenges with me. Yeah. So that's a fine balance, but I think it's really important for coaches to realize, Hey, in, um, in a uh, medical school, they teach you to not say this is my first time and I'm really excited, <laughs> right? In law school, they don't they don't tell you. They make sure your first customers know that you're just starting out. And so I think for client for coaches, it's tough. There's kind of an over honesty of I'm just beginning. I don't know what I'm doing. It's like well, I yeah. promise you, you'll get customers that'll meet that level of coaching that you have without trying to oversell it, over market it. Like I'm fabulous and life is amazing. I. I... It took me a while because I'm huge, like I say, on um, integrity and honesty. And it took me a while. It was a, a, a somebody, a, a coach that I really respect said that, well, actually, you know what, Phil, I'm happy for people to believe whatever they want about me if it gets them in front of me. At that point, they start to really get to know me. But once they're in front of me, then I can help them create whatever it is they want to create. So I'm happy for them to believe whatever they want if they get some in front of me. And I thought, okay, I mean, I don't deliberately mislead anybody. Look, people can, I, I am just a regular guy. But I, I feel like I'm living an extraordinary life. But anyway, like this, this is, is a beautiful segue really into, um, you know, what you and I discussed um, in, our, in our previous conversation, what we described as perhaps a master crash, really, rather than a master class. It's a kind of a master crash. There was, um, let me let me come to that. I, it, it just, one day, um, saw this post of yours, and gosh, it, it really touched me. 
So I'll share the post. It said, I hit a new emotional bottom. I stopped practicing my program. I created chaos and despair for myself and others. My life is unmanageable. Today I pray for sanity. I begin my path to emotional sobriety one day at a time. And gosh, Hans, I was so moved when I read that. I kind of almost don't know where to start. I feel like I'm going to just leave that to you to uh, expand on that to whatever extent you want to, because I really want to explore then like the impact of that and, you know, learnings, learnings really from that as well. So yeah, what was going on? Well, I want to do a little bit of backstory in that I was raised in a very dysfunctional family. Um, there was divorce, there was abuse, there was addiction, um, all kinds of stuff. And I'm really smart. Like I've got a, a, a high IQ. Um, and so I spent that time in my childhood trying to figure out how to survive. And if you focus on survival, you're also going to focus on recreating places to survive so that you can have the experience of, I survived. So I, I prided myself. I think that's the right word. I was proud of myself that I wasn't addicted to anything. Never been drunk or high in my life. Didn't get involved in drugs or alcohol when I was a kid. And I was like, you know what? I'm great. I escaped, I escaped my family trauma. I'm great. And look, I looked good, I sounded good, I acted good. Like there were all these things that if you just, you know, you didn't look too closely, hey, I got it together. Um, turns out that uh, you can be addicted to things that are behavioral that have nothing to do with substances, right? So I encounter that um, when I'm about 25 and I start exploring it, doing a little bit of work, but it's uncomfortable. And it actually asks you to let go of the coping mechanisms that you hold very dear. Mm. And the feeling is, who am I without my coping mechanisms? Like, I don't actually want to be that naked. So I was in it, and then I was out of it. Fast forward uh, about 10, 12 years later, and I realized, uh-oh, there's this area of my life. And I'm, I'm, I'm having problems here. And someone said, you might want to go check out this program. And I did. And it was just like, oh, I know these people. I've never met them before, but I can feel these people. They are me. And so I'm in there for five years, um, but I get stuck and um, I don't reach out and get unstuck. And then my son's born um, and that drives me to another set of program. I mean, another program with a set of principles and all that. And I'm in there and that that's going really well for five years. Uh, and then, you know, that, that's a span of about 25 years. And I never dealt with all three of the different areas that for me are, um, I have addictive tendencies in. Um, I never dealt with all of them at the same time. And then the pandemic um, put a lot of stress and pressure on my relationship with my wife and business dried up for about seven months. I couldn't sell you know, anything to anybody. Right. Um, I had a client get very upset with me and report me to the board of psychology and sue me. Um, I got panic attacks and anxiety attacks, which I've never had in my life before. And then, uh, two years ago, I got depressed and didn't realize it and didn't, didn't reach out for help. <clears throat> and so now I'm self-medicating 
again, with just behavior, um, money, food, sex, love, uh, creating and surviving dangerous situations. And it was the best I could do to just keep going. And I was, I was resigned. I mean, I was like, this is my life. Like I'm 62 today. Back then I was 60 and I was like, well, if this is life, then I just have to cobble together. There's something that works for me because my wife's depending on me. My son's still depending on me. So this is just how it goes. At that stage, by the way, were you, were you aware of the extent of what you see now very much as the coping mechanisms that you had in place? Sure. But I, one of my phrases is awareness without action attached is just about useless. So yes, I had awareness, but I wasn't in action on it. I wasn't in action on all of it. And so um, about 11 months ago, um, the, the chickens came home to roost and my son and my wife got really clear about just how bad things were in my life. And as, as we peeled the onion, it just got worse and worse and worse and worse. My, luckily, I have a mentor who's been my mentor for 20 years, and I phoned him up along with uh, three or four other, you know, kind of lifelong champions and um and said i'm in i'm in crisis and my mentor came down for a weekend and talked to me and my wife for two and a half days um he talked to my son at the beginning and the end of those two and a half days my son declined to have any contact with me uh for six months and uh my wife left uh, we, we had a separation and it was the most difficult uh, year of my life and the extraordinary thing for me, Phil, was that the first three months felt bad, like in my body, in my mind, in my heart, in my soul, bad. I was sick and, and I couldn't figure out what was this. And um, what it was, was normal. What it was, was present in the moment. And I've been teaching this and training this and coaching this for six decades only to discuss, only to discover that it felt bad it felt worse than bad and all i could do was make it through another day and i was waking up at four o'clock in the morning i used to joke that you know that's dalai lama time well the joke's on me because no matter what time i went to bed i woke up at like full start ready to go four o'clock in the morning and my gym opens at four o'clock in the morning so for the last 11 months i've just taken on a two or three hour well-being practice every day. And I've got 10 different things that I do in, uh, for that well-being. And then I start my day, start my work day. So the level of recovery and healing and integration and peace and calm, and I could go on and on, but it's a completely new level for me. And I wouldn't suggest going through what I went through to get to this, but apparently... Smart guy, Hans, this is what it took to get here. And I feel completely blessed. Um, I'm back in contact with my son. Um, I've regained his trust. I'm working on being an honorable man with him. Uh, my wife and I have a marriage that we never dreamed was possible. We've had to deal with some really deep-rooted issues. Um, but we're in love and um, there's, there's fun and romance and passion. And 
and deep conversations about the beginnings of love, the beginnings of sex, the beginnings of communication, the beginnings of relationship, like where did it all come from and how do we want to put it together for this next 30 or 40 years of our life? It's been extraordinary. And I want to comment like on for my listeners, because I noticed in me when we first had this conversation as well, I think I even said to you, well, can you make this a bit more real? Like, can you give me some examples of, of the kind of behavior and what have you? And yet I also actually, I don't really feel that the specifics are particularly relevant. Like you've outlined, uh, you've given an outline and, and, and from there on, I don't think it, I don't know how you, I'd love to know how you feel about this, whether the specifics are particularly relevant. Like, because for me, we all have um, behaviors that are unhealthy to varying yes. degrees. And what I'm hearing from you is some of these were pretty extreme and obviously having a detrimental impact on, on you and your well-being as well as then your, your family and just reached a point of crash. And, and um, I've been advised not to get specific, but I can tell you um, I'm reading 13 different books, re-educating myself. Um, a lot of them have to do with addictive tendencies. Um, I attend three programs and I'm working in workbooks um, in the Adult Children of Alcoholics and Other Dysfunctional Families program, in the Sex and Love Addiction program. I was shocked to find out that um, I'm far more compulsive about love than I am about sex. If you'd asked me a couple of years ago, which is it? I'd be like, oh, it's sex for sure. <laughs> yeah. And the interesting thing for me is that I can be anorexic around love. I can be anorexic around sex, which is just the flip side of that, that uh, those, those addictive tendencies. Um, and then money. You know, there's overspending, under-earning, and what's called pauper behavior, where you pretend like you're starving, even though you're not. So I'll, I would be walking around with, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in my bank account, but I'm hungry and I forgot my, I put my wallet, I didn't bring my wallet with me. So I have no money to get food, right? Just ridiculous stuff like that. Completely emblematic of my childhood, you know, recreating the experience of my childhood at the age of 60, 61 years old. So it's funny, I, I work a lot with people on their relationship to time and I devote a lot of time um, in my week to my recovery, my reintegration, my healing that um, I didn't devote to, I didn't devote to it before. Uh, and, um, and time expands and contracts, you know, today was a slow, yeah. a slow time day, um, which is great for every part of my day, except for when I'm doing that cold plunge, those three minutes are very, very long. <laughs> <laughs> But life has gotten delightful. I'm, I'm, um, I am a solid citizen and I'll be doing this work for the rest of my life because if I don't, you know, Napoleon Hill said, um, you know, your, your, your sex drive, your, your urge um, to, to feel good is the strongest urge that you've got. And in our society, that's scrolling and posting and food and, you know, just on and on and on. Um, and he talks about transmuting that and focusing that energy. And I did that somewhat, but to do that fully, that's the next part of my life. And I'm very excited about that. Take all that negative fear-based energy and put it into something positive. It's so cliche in a way, isn't it? And I often suggest, with, you know, in conversation I have, that things become cliche because, you know, they're so true. We use them so often, <laughs> right? And that, that's right. Um, about, you know, putting our own oxygen mask on first, all of those analogies. 
And um, I also noticed, so I've been in Europe now for quite a few months, um, leaving again in a week's time, actually. So I probably, by the time this goes out, I will almost certainly be in Bali again. Um, I noticed I don't take as good care of myself here in Europe. I spend three months in Greece and the rest of the time in, in the UK. I don't spend, I don't take as, as good care of myself here as I do in Bali. Mm. And that's been interesting to really notice. And of course we notice the effects of that more than anything. Um, and yet the, the, I, I do notice the times in my life where things have gone well, particularly in my business, because my business essentially be, seems to become an expression of my energetic alignment with my true self. Beautiful. Success in my business is an expression of my energetic alignment with my true self. So when I'm out of alignment, my business also reflects that. And there were times in Bali that I would spend, yeah, there would probably be three hours a day of, you know, uh, a practice that involved, you know, um, physical and spiritual and yoga and stuff like that. Um, and yet I also think we're subject to various conditioning that that's kind of selfish. <laughs> so, um, it's, it's, it, again, it just feels so cliche that if we don't honor, if we don't put our own well being front and center, um, the human system has a has a way always has a way of uh, waking us up to that and phil the trap is we see other people who aren't taking good care of themselves who are quote unquote successful but i promise you if you hung out with those people for a week you wouldn't want to be them because they're ego driven or they're clearly fear driven or they're they're dominating um, others or themselves to make that money or have that house car, whatever experience you think they have that you don't have. And so we've got to be really careful about, well, they're not doing, they're not in energetic alignment and they have success. No, they have stuff. They have experiences, but are they truly enjoying that? Are they enjoying that at the highest level? Um, what Maslow called self-actualization. Yeah. Um, boy, when you Google self-actualization, it lists what a great life looks like. And you will see a gap between where you are and that life. And you'll also, if you apply that to anybody, yeah, they have the stuff, they have the facade, but do they have all 10 of those, 10, 12 of those uh, experiences? Because that's what I want now, Phil, for me and my family for the rest of my life is I want a level of satisfaction that um, only, you can't cheat. It only comes from doing the work. Is there anything that particularly surprised you, still surprises you? about this experience of, of this yeah this recent experience of the crash and then recovery because i really i imagine that they, things might initially be a bit of a surprise and then we see the inevitability is there anything that does surprise you i'm surprised that my son forgave me i'm surprised that my wife is still with me Hmm. Uh, the, the 10 minutes after the, the big reveal, when I was alone in my house with myself, there was a part of me that was like, Hey, you did it, man. You're at, you're, you're at the very, very bottom. And now we'll just hang out in the darkness, just you and me. And so I'm surprised that I've been able to quiet that voice. I'm surprised that I'm able to 
have a normal life and do mundane things and have that be satisfying. Beautiful. So much of what my life was about excitement and danger and chaos and overcoming and all that stuff. And I'm, uh, I'm surprised at how satisfying the moment is. <laughs> Thank you. Beautiful. Oh my gosh. I so feel so privileged just, just to share this with you. Gosh. Thank you. Thank you. The, the, the fact that it's taken me all of my 62 years to get here is just hilarious yeah. to me. Yeah. Hilarious. And I literally was doing the best that I could the whole time. Um, and my family handed me a legacy that they'd been handed. And so, you know, this is, this is worldwide, but this is also what's available. And just, you know, we know if I want to get fit, all I got to do is de-stress, sleep more, drink more water, um, <laughs> eat great food and, and exercise. That's all I got to do is those five things every day. That's it. And yet we can't make ourselves do them. And so sometimes it's the pain that has you motivated to go do that. I don't know about you, but when I go to my gym, I see a good a number of those people who've been told by their doctor, if you want to die, keep living the way you're living. And if you want to live, get your butt to the gym. And that's just one piece of like five or eight things to pay attention to. Yeah. They're not happy, but they're there. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a joyful being at the gym. Like I'm so stoked to be there and people here and I got to wear this new outfit and I get to do these exercises and I listen to this music. And isn't this awesome? <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. And also, you that, sorry, you go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say that, that for me, that joy um, is available with whatever I do, whether I'm washing the dishes, coaching somebody, um, speaking to a group of people, training a group of people, or, you know, going to the car wash, you know, where nobody knows me and I'm just going to sit there for half an hour and let someone else wash my truck. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> it's, all, it's always available, but not to the exclusion of the pain, difficulty, challenges of life. Like that's in there. That, that's always in there. And you touch, uh, I, I think I interrupted you, so I apologize. Um, but you touched on, I get excited. So I was like, oh, and I think the, the, interrupt, <laughs> the interruption comes from the excitement, right? But you touched on what, I, what I've been, uh, I've, I've written a bit about this recently as well, about there's, there's no real substitute, real substitute for experience. And there's that cliche saying of, you know, listen to your elders. But we resist that. And yet our elders, people with experience, can they can save us the pain of failure of, of their lessons. Um, yeah, could you speak could you speak to that? Because you know it's like you mentioned and laughed that here we are, we're I'm 62. I'm I'm 54, and I noticed some. I saw a meme a while ago. Um, it was a humorous meme, and it said, um, "Live life with the confidence of a 20-year-old coach." And I thought, yeah, that's kind of hilarious because we've all seen them, right? <laughs> well, and and for me, if if I could have half of the enthusiasm that Hans had in his first two years, oh, that would be awesome. That guy. <laughs> so two things about experience. One is I really want to validate new coaches by saying that your life experience gives you the ability to sit with people. You don't have to sell them anything. You don't have to pretend anything. You don't have to, oh, here's my certification. You know, none of that matters. Your life experience gives you the ability to sit with people. And if all you did was listen, that would have value. People will pay to be listened to, right? Yeah. yeah. But the other thing is that my mentor, that mentor of, of uh, 20 years, a gentleman named Bill Adamski, um, he's watched me 
and he's available for me, but he can't tell me much of anything. He has to wait for me to ask him, right? And so he's expressed how painful it is to watch me have the experience of life that I'm having because he knows that he could offer me the mentoring that would shift that. But that's not my natural process is I've got to go to here and then, oh, I see, I'm going to ask. And uh, pain informs us. Um, yeah, pain informs us. So for me, the, the, the high experience of life that I wanted, that, that Maslow uh, self-actualization, it also comes with the bottom of the emotional uh, scale. I, I liked what Hunter S. Thompson said. He said, um, they tell you they're going to feel better. What they don't tell you is you're going to feel everything better. And so, yes, this last year has been the most painful year of my life, but also the most joyful, the most clear, the most brilliant. I mean, it's just, it's, it's extraordinary. So as human beings, we get to say, if we learn how, we can, we can actually manage how much time we're spending in negative experiences and emotions and thoughts and how much we're spending in positive and so I'm, I'm, I'm all about, let's shorten as, you know, before, before this disaster, I was at about 98, 98, 99% present and accounted for and, and in my life and, and one or 2% uh, negativity or, or problems in the past or whatever it is. Well, it went to 50, 50 or 60, 40 this past year, but I promise you, I will get it back to whatever it, it is possible for me to have. Cause that's the brilliance of being human is you can design a life and live into it. Yeah. Beautiful. How how do you see or how has your relationship with the coaching profession changed, evolved, and perhaps specifically from these recent experiences? <laughs> oh. Well, um, it's a radical thing to say, but coaching is bullshit. Coaching is bullshit. Um, and it's just coaching that's bullshit. If you don't do your work on your pain, on your dysfunction, on your addictive tendencies, whatever you want to call that stuff that is the anti-you, if you don't do that work, it's just bullshit. You're just talking. And it has some value and you can get paid some money. Um, but it's not, it's not what's possible. It's not what's really true. It's not, it's not what's beautiful about us. And so if you choose to do that and you're okay with that, fine. Um, but if you present yourself as a coach who actually has access to an extraordinary life, purposeful living, meaningful living, um, go ahead and dwell in your past. Go ahead and get, get dirty. Get in there. Get into the darkness. Meet those parts of yourself that you're ashamed of, um, that, that you deny, that you avoid. And, um, and do that work because that gives you confidence and motivation and resilience that there's just no other way to get that. So I'm a smart guy. Like I said before, I figured out how to not do that for 62 years, 61 years, but I will spend the rest of my life exploring this new Vista that I, I've been presented with. And, um, and, you know, 31 years ago, coach Hans was after it as much as he could be. And he had the success that he had. And it's all a natural arc. Like I'm not ashamed of my or the arc of my life. I don't have any regrets about the arc of my life. I, I'm, I'm 62. I'm living to 100 for sure. I'm as healthy as I can be. I'm in the best shape of my life. 
you know, barring a, a train accident, <laughs> something unforeseen, I'm going for a hundred and perhaps beyond, and I'm going to have an extraordinary time. Like I, I could not be happier. And it's, I've been driven to my knees and um, I'm slowly standing back up. And that's been true my whole life. I get beaten down and I stand back up. Thank you, Hans. I want to honor, honor your time as well. Um, so I just have two more questions. And one, again, are you going to use the cliche word? Um, what would your message be to that Hans of even 20 or 30 years ago? What What would you really like for him to know and embody and to live? Mm -hmm. um, you know, he mostly got it right. Yeah. Um, but I, I would say do the transformational work and the healing work. Do both of them together. Because the tendency he had was to do the transformational work and then do some healing work and then do the transformational work and then do some healing work. Do it both together. You, 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 you're, you're a person, you've got enough as a person to do both of those things together. Yes, it's outside your comfort zone, but the payoff's gonna be extraordinary. So to work on the past and the future at the same time. Thank you. And just in closing then, for you, what is the purpose of your work? You know, my, my purpose for all of my coaching career has been love, being present and choice. Um, I want people to experience love. I want people to be able to, to give love and have love um, in, in, in all its many forms. And um, the, the journey to, for each person to them getting present is unique for them. And so being on that journey, <clears throat> life doesn't get any better than that. It's challenging as I can attest, but it doesn't get any better than that. And then choice. I don't care if you make a choice. I care that you have it, that you can actually see, oh, there's the choice. And I'm not going to make that choice. Great. Don't make the choice. I'm fine with that. But we have so many choices. And, um, and I'm in the face of so many choices this past year. And I'm, I'm very, very proud of Hans for all the choices that he's making. Not always easy or fun, but he keeps making good choices. So that's what I want for people is to make the choices and enjoy the results of the choices that you make. For me, this is one of those situations where the words thank you seem ridiculously <laughs> small. <laughs> you know, but um, yeah, just you too, so much heartfelt gratitude. Um, not not just, you know, for, for um, how you have showed up. And I know you're not big on using social media. Um, I think even less so now, but, but just to be willing to share as you as you did and have as you have today but also for being what i this is like a, a you know a personal <laughs> quest of mine i guess for being um for being that coaching professional that you know i want to see out there so yeah thanks for seeing me phil I appreciate it. I really appreciate it. Phil, I hope we can have another conversation where we don't talk about me and we talk about coaching. <laughs> What's possible for human beings. Absolutely. That'd be wonderful. I'd love to do that. Thank you again, Hans. 
Thank you for listening to the Coaching Life Podcast. Gosh, what a thoroughly beautiful conversation with Hans. Honesty, openness, authenticity, with such a wealth of genuine expertise and experience. He's clearly a master at this art of coaching, sharing and exploring all that it is to be human. And I admire how he continues to draw on support from other professionals. I'm really looking forward to more conversations with Hans. As always, I'd love to know what you're taking away from this conversation and how will you use that? You can email us at coachinglife at philg.com. And if you'd like to explore having me in your corner and as your mentor in building your practice and your prosperous coaching life in full alignment with who you truly are, my six-month Coaching Life Unleashed program may be perfect for you. It has just four openings a year as I only work with two other coaches at a time and most of the time that's actually only one. While I'm not part of the coaching coaches pyramid, I I do want to raise the standard and impact of coaches in this profession. So this is not a marketing program. It is not a program focused on client creation. Coaching Life Unleashed is an intimate one-to-one coaching and mentorship program. It is highly personalized to help you make the necessary inner shifts in a way that group programs simply cannot. And as a result of those inner shifts, client impact and client creation becomes inevitable. So drop me an email if you'd like more details or to set up a call and explore to see if this intensive coaching mentorship will be a fit for you in creating and developing your prosperous coaching life. And finally, if you're enjoying these conversations, please share them with your friends in your community and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. It makes a huge difference in helping other people like you get an unfiltered look at what it's like to live a coaching life. Okay, until next time, thank you very much for listening. I wish you much love, prosperity and joy. 